If this is your first time around us as a community, uh, today is going to be a little bit different. As um, It's not kind of a trip down memory lane, but rather a moment of us saying that today is a kind of historic moment we're believing for us as a church, that it ends a marker in the ground for where we've been as a community, uh, gathering here at Edgebaston and where we move on to uh, in terms of the MAC. And we've learned along the t- kind of the last 10 years that it's these sort of moments we make much of, because actually in us making much of it, it actually allows us to make much of God. Because our story isn't about us, it's ultimately about who God is. And the fact that God is good and God is loving. And my hope is that if you're new around us, what you'll leave with is that we're, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we do take God very seriously. And in that, that what you'll hopefully discover is that our journey up to this point is one that we are deeply grateful to God for and gives us a sense of expectancy of what is God going to therefore do next amongst us. And so in, with that all in mind, I was kind of wondering, what do we then do to mark out today? And I was drawn really to the fact that we're living in this, this year under a banner that we felt God speak to us about at the, uh, towards the end of last year, that this is to be a year characterized by adventure. And in it being characterized by adventure, that we were therefore to expect adventure. Now, At that point, we didn't even imagine that part of that adventure would be moving venue. However, that's part of what this year is about. Isn't the whole of it? I'm deeply hoping there's more adventure than literally moving a venue this year. I'm I'm believing for what we heard in worship, aren't you, that the adventure surely has to be getting to see these hearts that are ready turning back to Jesus. I don't know, that kind of warms my heart. I think, man, that's what I want to give myself to in this city. But in it, what I've realized is as we're living with this year of adventure, part of what God's done in us over the last 10 years is he's put in us attributes of adventurers. And that's what I want us to look at today as a kind of marker in the ground of saying that actually God's put in us some attributes of adventurers. And maybe you're new around us. Maybe you've not been part of the whole journey. But actually, I think we're going to go on to see that these are key attributes that actually each and every one of us that's been around have started to get put in us. And I want us to see them in order that it would both encourage us in what God's done, but also spur us in in what God wants to continue to cause us to live with. And to help us to see these attributes, we want us to look at Philippians 4, verses uh, 4 to 7. And from that, I'm going to draw out four attributes, I believe, that God wants us to deliver with and be encouraged by in terms of being adventurers. And so Paul writes this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God will transcend all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want us to see through this passage, there are four attributes I believe God's put in us to be adventurers that are here that I want us to draw out there. Rejoicing. If we go back just one more, we'll come on to this. Rejoicing, gentleness, prayer, and peace. And we could say, well, surely they're key for everyone, because Paul's writing to every believer saying, come on, get this in your life. And it is key for every believer. I think particularly for us as Oasis, Oasis, these are four attributes that God has put in us, and God wants to continue to nurture within us, because it will draw others in and impact the communities around us. So the first one, then, is that one of rejoicing. It is important on a day like this that we take a moment to rejoice. 
to rejoice in what God has done amongst us. You see, Paul's pretty clear. He says, rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. You didn't get it? Rejoice, rejoice. I could go on to many songs that have started in those two words, but I'm not going to. But in it, it's a rejoice in the Lord. Now, there's obviously a context that actually there is much to rejoice in that each and every one of us has in terms of the salvation we have through Jesus. But if you like, for this moment, because of this day, I want to park that to one side because there's so much we could rejoice in there. But I more want to remind us of what have we got to rejoice in as a community and what God has done on us over the last 10 years. Looking back at the younger me, 2008, beginning of slightly less chubby, slightly less gray hair. What is it I'd want to say to that Adrian? I'd say, Adrian, there is much to look forward to in rejoicing in what God's going to do. And I think there's two particular areas that I want us to rejoice in. One is rejoicing in how God has shaped us. And the other one we're going to see is rejoicing in the stories that God has done amongst us. So firstly, in terms of how God has shaped us, I'd say that's in three Ps. I like all my little things that help me remember everything. So you'll hopefully remember it. So what, are, what is it in terms of shaping? Well, I think the shaping, we can go on now, is in terms of the prophetic. And so in it, the prophetic is where God speak to us, speaks to us now in a way to encourage us in the way, the way we're to go and the direction we're to live with. And there's some particular themes that have come through over the last 10 years that have shaped us as a community. There's many, many different prophetic words that have come through. I'm not at this point going to remember every single one. I rather want to pick up on three. The first one is the one that actually brought us here to the Edgebaston, which is that God spoke to us and said, we are to get to a place of visibility. And through that series we're in in Gideon, where we find that Gideon at the beginning is part of the people of Israel in the promised land, camped out in a cave. And God says, no, this isn't how it's meant to be. You're meant to be public. I'm going to put you somewhere visible to it gets to a point where Gideon leads the people of Israel to a massive victory where they appear bigger than they truly are. And we felt God say, you're to be very visible and you'll appear way bigger than you truly are. I can promise you over the last 10 years that has rung true. The number of people I have conversations with, both in the church and outside, in the church community within the city and outside the church community within the city, who say, oh yeah, I've heard of Oasis. And I say, really? And they say, you're massive, aren't you? And I go, no. <laughs> I say, but we've heard everything you do. We've heard about where you are. And I go back and I think, oh, that's because God said this would be the way. That we'd appear bigger and we'd be very visible. And what God's done as we've lived this way is he's put something in us. He's caused us to live understanding that we're not grasshoppers in this city, that we're giants. And I want us to continually live with that, that the people of God, when they entered the promised land, they had to get over that. In actual fact, God wouldn't let them even get in the land until they understand their mindset needed to change. That they weren't to see themselves as weak and feeble grasshoppers that anyone else could trample on, but rather they would see themselves as giants, people who were there to take what God had given and that's what God's done in us, as he's put us into a place of visibility to say, hey, isn't that you're to pretend you don't belong here? It's that you're to know that I made you for places like this. And what I've found is that there's been moments, even around Edgebaston, where there's moments where I found myself saying in meetings, well, with Edgebaston kind of hierarchy, and so the, the senior management team said, well, you know, we know, we understand, we're, we're small fish in a big pond. And then they've rebuked me. In the meeting. 
If you've had that, you've been rebuked by an unbeliever who says, no, no, you're not small fish, you're partners here. I remember hearing them talk about the building, and they said, when we're going to do the new building, they talked about different ve- like size venues they're going to have. And I, I said, well, you know, that'd be amazing if we get to meeting those. Now the story ended up slightly differently to that. Um, and then one of them said, well, you know, at the end of the day, you'll fill all of our venues, won't you? And then you've got the stadium to fill. I remember saying, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think we'll just, we'll just aim at the rooms of hundreds. And I remember Alison, who was the lady I was meeting with at that point, she turned to me and she said, but don't you want to fill stadiums, Adrian? What are you about? And there's these, there's these moments that have gone on where you think, God, you spoke to us about visibility. We'd seem bigger than we truly are in order that we live with the mindset that we're giants, not grasshoppers. And I've loved it that God's drawn people who aren't actually followers of him to rebuke us along the way to say, come on, think bigger. Um, and we'll come on to a bit more of what that looks like. First one. Second prophetic word then is that we are to be a community that's all about rescue. I remember someone giving this prophetic word and saying that we're to be, live like we're a lifeboat. That we're not here to kind of have a nice cruise. We're here to rescue people in this city that at this point in time are drowning. We're not here to compete with the other lifeboats. We're not here to make our lifeboat look prettier than all the other lifeboats. We're here simply to rescue people. And that's what we've given ourselves. I mean, it's shaped who we are. So much so that when people say, you know, do you do evangelism? I think, well, I don't understand. Isn't that everything we do? Isn't everything we're about? Even how we build inwards as a community, all about saying this is why we do this in order that we can build others and rescue others into this. Everything that we're about as a community is rescue. Second one, third one. has been this fact that God's spoken to us of understanding the church who we are together is both who we are gathered and who we are scattered. And it shaped us. It shaped us to understand that church isn't just what we do when we gather on a Sunday. It's who we are when we're placed in the unique settings that each of us have been placed in, of our home settings, family, the shops we shop at, our schools, our universities, our places of work, our recovery schemes, the places we're seeking to work in. That's who we are as Oasis. And it's transformed our way of thinking, of realizing this is how we then get to be salt and light, the color and flavor bringers into this city in all of these places. It isn't that we all en masse go to one area, but rather we're understanding that we get to celebrate in where God has placed each of us. And we're living more and more in the good of this. In actual fact, this is causing us to shape the, the family of churches we're part of, of catalysts that we're shaping 80 plus churches in the UK and then wider than that to live understanding the church is both who it is gathered and who it is scattered. God's spoken to us. We're to rejoice in how God has shaped us through the prophetic. We're also to rejoice in how God has shaped us through our preaching. Now I know within Oasis that when I talk at these sort of Sundays, Vision Sundays, kind of big marker Sundays, there are people in the room who play word bingo. And word bingo is they know there are key phrases that I use, and I know who they are, and they tick off what words I say. So this is the word bingo to break all other word bingos. Of God has taught us stuff in the 10 years of being here. And I think it's been through our preaching series, and I just want to use the titles to explain what God has shaped us in. See, we've learned we are crafted 
If we go to the next slide. We have learned we are crafted by love poured out. By the life giver, the I am. And everything changes as we are mapped out by love. Continually living light, fueled by hope, bearing fruit that will last, enjoying the journey with songs for the journey. Knowing community matters as we stay city-centered, cross-centered, centered. As we pause, center, and continue giving ourselves to loving God and loving people. You see, obviously a bit of spoken word. Um, there's, <laughs> seems to be the thing that's in at the moment, Oasis, so I thought I'd better get in there. Um, this, in all of the fun of it, that actually what I want us to get is that God has done stuff in us. And that sometimes we can think, well, that was a jazzy title. No, the title is in order that we get hold of what God has shaped us with. And God has truly shaped us through his living word over these past 10 years. In order that the bunch of people who arrived in 2007, the bunch of people who've been added through that are different. And my hope is whether you've been here for the 10 years, whether you've been here for 10 months, 10 weeks, 10 days, that you're already starting to get shaped differently. Shaped differently is we want to take seriously God's word and say, how is it going to shape who we are? And we are being shaped by it. That's preaching, provision, last P, in terms of how we've been shaped. You're all thinking, man, these attributes can be long. I promise you the other three are a bit shorter. In terms of shape, we've been shaped by provision. God has done so much amongst us. You know, we heard it in terms of the video at the beginning, that even us being here was God's provision, 80% discount in fees. What I didn't know at that point, and that I could go and gloat on and gloat to Adrian then, is say, you haven't seen anything yet. Because what we found from that point of an 80% discount is our fees have only ever got lower over the 10 years. Like, how does that work? (laughs) And the thing is, not only has our, fee, have our fees got lower, the space we've been given throughout the week, not just the Sunday, has grown. And so we find that God provided us not just a place to meet on the Sunday, but a place to gather throughout the week. So we found next door that we got given the Oasis Suite. When we first asked for it, we were told no. Then I got kind of a call, literally, across the car park, because I was here at a different thing. And the guy who'd said no to us said, Adrian, we need to meet. And I remember meeting him. He said, look, I got it wrong. I didn't realize who you were. I didn't realize who Oasis is. And I just want to say, you can have the rooms next door. Just say what you want to pay for them. You set the price. And that's a dream. So that's what we did. And then in it, God gave us that. Then there came a moment where actually commercially it was made better sense because we'd inhabited it too well and it looked too good. Others came in and said, we want that and we've got more money. And so they then got it. So what did the cricket ground at that point do? They didn't say, well, get lost. They said, no, we're going to give you more space. Slightly more awkward, over two floors. But we ended up with more space for exactly the same money. And you look and you think, God, this is amazing what you've provided. Then we look to our move now. And I've been blown away by the other churches in the city's response to us. If you saw my little video, I've said this, but in terms of our move, but I've been blown away by the fact that everyone said, this isn't your problem, Oasis, this is our problem together. From the Bishop of Birmingham to uh, 
the Elim Church to the vineyard, to our friends within Catalyst, saying, what can we do to help? In actual fact, our friends in Catalyst Church Central are actually giving us office space throughout the week for free. It's amazing how God provides. And then we find this door opens at the Mac, push loads of them. And the Mac are like, we just want you to come back. We love you guys being around. This is an institution that doesn't like religious groups meeting there. And they say, yeah, but you're different. I think this is God's provision for us. And we are to be thankful for how he shaped us through it. But it's also the stories we get to tell. The stories in terms of people. People, just for a moment, if you would just humor me. If you've arrived at Oasis Church since 2010, when, or 2007, sorry, when we moved here. So you've arrived since we've been at Edgebaston Cricket Ground. Can you just stand up? So that means like you didn't come to Oasis when we were at King Edward's Boys School. Okay, thank you. Let's just sit down. That's amazing, isn't it? So we've had people added to us. Can I just get you to do this? Can you humor me a bit, a little bit more? If you were here when we were at King Edward Boys School, please could you stand? Can we just applaud these people? Okay, let's sit down. Why, is, why am I putting them, not all of you have been added? <laughs> Here's the deal. You are all loved. But I just think sometimes what we've learned along the journey is that we need to honor one another. And I just wanted to honor those who've done the journey. Who've just said, you know what, I'm going to move from a school to a cricket ground. I'm just going to peg it. I'm just going to invest my life in here. And I am deeply, personally grateful for you doing that. And I look forward to 10 years' time when we get to look at some different things. And my hope is that all of us in this room will be part of that, saying, oh, yeah, we've been here, and then there'll be a whole load of other people added in. Because the, the truth is this, that as well as people being added, we've also sent lots of people. So over the last 10 years, we've sent around 400 people from Oasis. That's not people who've said, we don't like you anymore, we're going to go. Uh, we don't count those ones. <laughs> Because that's spin, isn't it? Oh, you yeah, sent them. No, we didn't. They just didn't like us. <laughs> and that's totally fine. If people don't like us, my, my heart is always, well, find somewhere you do like. Don't hang around here thinking, I hate this. That's not going to glorify Jesus. But rather, we have sent 400 people over the last 10 years to other areas of this city, other areas of this nation, and other areas of the nations. And I promise you, people have been changed through being with us. And we'll come on to that in a moment. But it's also been through how we've seen people get changed. I haven't got time today to tell you all the stories of life change that have gone in with an oasis. The, the fact is this, I get told so many individual stories where people say, do you know what, I, I didn't realize I could know this much freedom. I thought I knew grace and suddenly I understand that I've been transformed and I understand now what it means that God loves me no matter what. Of stories of saying, Do you know what? I've realized that actually what I'm made for is this. And I feel so released to just be truly who I am in this and allow Jesus to radiate through it. And I thank God for the life change stories. We could take the rest of the morning just each other, telling one another the life change stories that have gone on for us. 
I'm deeply grateful for what God has done in it. I rejoice in it. But I think it's also in terms of baptisms that we've had around. We've baptized, since we arrived at Edgebaston, around 70 people. Which I think is fantastic. 70 people who've said, you know what? My life is totally transformed. I'm dead to this old way of life. I'm now alive in this new way of life in Jesus. I think back and... There's, either to the baptisms that have just been or the ones just before that. I often think the ones just before that. And what I loved about it was the stories that got told because the stories are these. One, I had a dream and Jesus appeared to me. And so I started following him. Two, I'd heard about what Jesus did. I understood that he's real, but I wanted to see what does it look like to live amongst the people who follow him. And as I lived amongst you, I realized I wanted what you had. Three, I needed mercy and God gave it to me. And so that's why I'm here. And those are three element stories. I thought, man, if we can just keep doing that with three individuals a year, I'm a happy bunny. And that's what we do. That's what we rejoice in, these stories. And so, in it, I think we'll pause there. Why does this leave us? Oh, I've got influence and action. So here you go, quickly, influence. <laughs> oh. Influence is... Look, remember the Building Culture series and just hearing about what different ones of us are doing with our day-to-day existence and just in that place, we're changing the city around us. We are influencing things. We influence things at Edgebaston. We're continuing to influence things. Gus is meeting with the Edgebaston senior management team, looking at could we potentially offer pastoral support on an ongoing basis. Regardless of that, he's been invited in saying, how can we deal with the well-being of our staff at Edgebaston. We're continuing to influence here. And then we've had loads of action. We have action that we celebrated last week in taking part in the uh, Birmingham 10K or annually kind of taking part in the Birmingham Half Marathon. And those events, we've got to understand that when we go outside and we inhabit that space, it transforms the runners. I got a Facebook message saying, uh, literally on Monday from someone saying who ran the race, said the best point of the whole of the race was this moment here. The cheering and encouragement I got in this moment was phenomenal. And they'd videoed us as they walked past or ran past. And I just thought it transformed it. I think the fun days that we've been involved in, I think for me, highlight in all of the years of the fun days was this last year where we get to be involved in the, the Pakistan test. And we've always said we're just going to do this for Edgebaston and we don't want anything back from it. We're not looking for promotion. We're just literally, this is a moment of grace. You get something you don't deserve. And the thing is, people don't like grace. Because I want to pay you back. I know you can't pay us back. As they do it, what, so what do they talk about? They're then over the, the antennae system, during the Pakistan test, they continuously speak about through the day, we want to thank Oasis Church, providing all of the fun activities they are today. At those moments, I'm thinking, I don't know of any other churches that get talked about at test matches. <laughs> We have much to rejoice in, and I'm hoping that we're starting to say, yes, God, thank you for what you've done in us, and God, would you continue to fuel us as we move forward, which leaves us with a quick whistle-top tour through three other attributes. The second one is this, gentleness. I was on welcome two Sundays ago. I love being on welcome because generally what happens is these two things. As everyone arrives, they go, what are you doing here? Coupled with, is this the worst undercover boss I've ever seen? <laughs> Second thing that happens is this. It gets to 10.30. You remember, we start at 10.30. Um, 
And after 10.30, you then see the walk of shame through the car park where they see I'm on the gate. And they're like, oh, no. And then they get to the gate and they go, oh, I'm really sorry I'm late. They say, if I care. Man, if I cared that much, I'd make a big thing of it. Like I'd speak about it on a Sunday morning. I don't know. There's... <laughs> But what was it in that moment of, of being there? It was on the, on, on the welcome, and the guys on the gate from security were there as well because there's a cricket match on. And they said, Look, we hear that in two weeks' time you're leaving. And they, just wanted, they said, Look, I just want you to know, we just feel gutted about that. He said, Oasis Church has been probably the best, friendliest, nicest people we have ever met. And we are going to deeply miss you being at Edgebaston. As they said that, I thought, you know what? We do some stuff without even realizing it. And I was reminded of this passage, and you're going to be speaking on it. And what we've done is we've begun to live with an attribute of gentleness. And gentleness can be seen as this weak thing, a kind of feeble thing. I don't want to be known as gentle. That's like really wussy, isn't it? No, no. Gentleness isn't that you're a doormat that other people wipe their feet on, but rather you understand that you're a doormat that says, welcome to everyone. Because you realize that your value isn't being in competition with how you compare to someone else. See, gentleness is a statement of saying, this, I am strong and I am secure, rather than I am weak and I am vulnerable. See, gentleness is ultimately saying, in God I've gained everything in order that I can reveal and care for everyone else. So gentleness ultimately is about this. Go to the next slide. It's about looking out for others' welfare above our own. And we've begun to do that. I want to commend us that we're known, we have a reputation for this. Of thinking wherever we land, wherever we're about, actually how can we serve others more than ourselves? And I want to push us, let's keep going for this. Let's go for, let's go to the next slide. Let's be, continue to be selfless, not selfish. Let's be looking to give, not seeking to gain. Let's be seeking to listen more than we speak. Let's be seeking to understand rather than we want to be understood. Let's build others up rather than promote ourselves. And let's be warm and welcoming rather than cold and judgmental. And I want us to give ourselves to this. Now, we don't do it by saying, yeah, we're going to work hard at this. It's rather that we live knowing that we live this way because we live out of what we've received. So we reveal what we receive. And what we've received is one who is himself gentle. So we find about Jesus, it says this in Matthew eleven twenty nine: Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for what I am gentle. Every single one of us who centers our lives on Jesus has come to realize that God, Jesus reveals himself in gentleness to us. And therefore, I want to encourage us to live this way. We need to keep centering on him. Keep drawing on him. Keep saying, Jesus, I want more and more of your gentleness revealed in me in order that I can reveal it out of me. I told you I'd speed up. Second attribute. Third attribute. Prayer. We're a bunch of people that understand we are highly dependent on God. We recognize that we got limited ability, limited strength, but he has infinite ability and infinite strength. And if we've learned over the last 10 years... And before, that actually prayer is the engine room of everything we do. And we want to get before God and say, God, would you come with us? And in this, and in this passage, I want us to see that prayer, if you like, has different attributes. 
And in it, Paul talks about being those who come with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. And in that, we could say, well, yeah, yeah, this is prayer is where we go and ask God. Well, I want us to see prayer in a different way as we move forward, because I think we've learned this along the way. Is that we to see prayer is, the, is an act of rest. Prayer is an act of rest. Because you see, sometimes we can think, oh yeah, prayer is something I do. No, prayer is something that you're doing to say, actually now I'm going to be in a place of rest. What do I mean by that? Well, we can half a guy land back off holiday, know that we've got possibility of some venues, and know that we're still not like tick the box of saying, yes, we know where we're going as Oasis Church. I know that we're moving out on this Sunday. Still thinking, two Sundays to go, one of which we're not really meeting, we're just supporting runners. This isn't a great place to be at, thinking, oh yeah, we still don't know where we're going. And at that point, I'm thinking, God, how am I going to sort this? I remember on the Wednesday morning, just feeling incredibly, just waking up, just feeling low, which is unusual for me. I just feel like, man, this just feels heavy. I, I feel a bit stressed about this. I remember getting to work and just thinking, man, I'm not doing what I talk about. And so I had to go through this process of, of using prayer as rest. And see, rest is both resting from something and in something. So I have to rest from, I had to rest from thinking this is all about my effort. I had to rest from thinking this is about a status of who I was. Man, I'm the one who can sort stuff. I had to rest from fear of what happens if this doesn't work out. Have I led Oasis through to disappointment? I had to rest from something else, which I honestly can't remember at the moment. <laughs> Let's be truthful. I just genuinely can't remember what it was. It was a fourth thing. It was important at the time. It doesn't feel very important at the moment. So I'm resting from this stuff. But I'm also then saying, God, I give you this. I'm petitioning you and saying, God, I hand this stuff over to you. And now, God, I come and I rest in what you give me. I rest in the fact that it's all about your grace, not my effort. It's all about your work, not mine. I rest in the fact that actually my status is secure in you because you say, I'm your child, forever loved by you. I rest in the fact that actually I don't need to be fearful because you're in control. Therefore, I get to know your peace. And therefore, it's this place, we'll just do three, that this place that I get to, where I get to pray and say, God, I rest in you. Now, the deal isn't that then, and Paul makes it very clear here, that God then sorts it all out. Isn't then God just immediately answers everything? It's rather that he says, no, as you pray, you rest. You get to know in this moment of uncertainty that actually you get to rest from something, you get to rest in something. As we move forward, I want us to keep understanding that prayer is an act of rest. Because it will shape us differently. And I tell you what, it's incredibly attractive to people. Because we are still living in a moment of uncertainty. We know the Mac is where we're going, but we know it's not where we're going to be forever. And therefore we go into this place thinking, well, God, we still trust you. We pray to you because as we pray, we rest more and more from our own kind of strength into your strength. Last one then, peace. That's a promise, isn't it? As we rest, we get to know peace. And I want us to live, because if we're going to be adventurers, we need to understand that uncertainty goes with the territory. If, it wasn't, if, it, if you're on a safe journey, that's not an adventure. That's kind of like a stroll, where you can see where you're going. An adventure is where you set off on something where you think, can I do this? 
and I'm not quite sure what it's going to look like. And God has said to us, we're to be about adventure. Therefore, if we're going to be about adventure, we need to understand that uncertainty is going to be part and parcel of the package. Therefore, we need to live knowing that within the uncertainty, we get to live with peace. A peace that transcends all understanding. A peace that is beyond anything any one of us can imagine. A peace that's there to guard our heads, our minds, and our hearts, us very core of who we are. A peace that we're to expect to be with us. Why? Because the peace is given by God. It's a marker of God saying, I'm going to go with you wherever. And I want us to live knowing that, knowing it as individuals, knowing it as a community. I think one of the things I've realized and often gets commented to be by people who are coming into us, they say, I'm not sure if I'm going to land here, but I'm overwhelmed by the sense of peace. Unbelievers who come in and say, I, it just felt different to anything else. I just felt peace. And I want us to not take that for granted, but realize that this is an attribute that God has put in us as a community while we've been here. An attribute that has continued to mark us as we move on. As we live knowing that God has peace for us. So we live with adventure, but we live knowing there is peace within the adventure. And I promise you, as we live this way, I think it's going to shape both increasingly who we are, but also draw others in, because it's incredibly attractive. So land it then. Come on, Adrian, you've got to finish. Can I spur us on? Can we spur one another on to continue to live with these attributes as we continue in the adventure? Let's be those who make much of rejoicing, because we have so much to rejoice in and the God in whom we rejoice. Let's be those who seek to continuously live out gentleness. Let's be those who continue to live with the understanding that we have prayer, which gives us this language and act of rest. And let's live knowing that God's peace will be with us as we move on. And when we have next week off, let's use it as a moment to prepare ourselves, saying, God, as we land in the Mac, we recognize that this is the next part of our adventure. And we know that these attributes are going to be part of us. But more than that, we know that you've put us there for such a time as this. Because you've brought people there who are ready to receive who Jesus is. And only you and I have been privileged with the fact that we can then offer that to them. Can I pray for us? And then we're done. Jesus, I thank you so much for these 10 years of being here. God, I thank you for what you've done amongst us. I thank you that it's you and only you who gets the glory. But God, I thank you for what you've put in us. And God, I thank you that it's built to this point in order that in a year where you've called us to adventure, we could know that you've prepared us for this over the last 10 years. And so God, we just say we're up for following you wherever you lead us. And we just say where you go, we go. And so Jesus, I thank you for what you've done and I look forward to what you're going to do. Amen.